Hello, everybody. Welcome into episode number 123 of the Sports Kiki podcast. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer. You can find the Sports Kiki wherever you can find your favorite podcasts. It's a pleasure to be with you here today on this Saturday, July 2nd. I'm calling it Getaway Day, at least for me, because I'll be off to Provincetown in a little bit for the most of this week to celebrate July 4th in this great nation and our great freedoms. Uh, Hey, you know, this may be the last July 4th in which gay sex is legal nationwide, so we might as well take advantage (laughs) and celebrate while we can. Uh, So yes, I'll be off to P-Town for most of this week, or gay summer camp as I call it. Very excited for that, and also very excited for the show that we have for you this week. Coming up momentarily, you will hear my conversation with Colin Martin. Uh, Colin Martin is an out-pro soccer player. Uh, He plays for the San Diego Loyal in the USL Championship. He used to play in the MLS. He came out in 2018 while playing for the Minnesota United. Uh, He was the second active openly gay player to ever play in the MLS behind Robbie Rogers. Uh, Had a really interesting conversation with Colin. It was great to chat with him. Uh, We followed each other on Twitter for a while. So always great to kind of put a a face behind the Twitter name, if you will. Um, Though I have seen a lot of pictures of him and seen him on TV. But nonetheless, it was nice to chat with Colin uh, one-on-one over Zoom. We talked about um, what happened to him just two years ago in September of 2020. He was called a gay slur on the field by an opponent. And his teammate, as a result, forfeited the match. That's right. Colin Martin's teammates and coach Landon Donovan, we talked about this on the show at the time, I remember, uh, an extraordinary show of support. They forfeited the match after Martin was called a gay slur by an opponent. But Colin tells me that he actually had mixed feelings when his team forfeited the match. And he called it a living nightmare. Why would Colin Martin call such an amazing show of support a living nightmare? You'll just have to hear the interview to find out. And I also talked to Colin about uh, some recent survey findings from a company called Bonus Finder uh, and a company called LGBT Hero. They surveyed 3,000 sports fans about their attitudes towards out players, and uh, the results are a bit surprising. So that conversation is coming up in a few moments. But before we do that, I do want to talk briefly about Ryan Resch, who is the Suns Vice President of Basketball Operations. He came out as gay this week in an ESPN story. Uh, He said his goal is to normalize for people in and out of the league the existence of gay men and women on the basketball side. Here, here, that's very noble. Certainly something that I can get behind. And I think that the whole interview is worth a read, but I think that Ryan's most interesting answer was when he was asked about the lack of out NBA players. And he gave an explanation that I haven't really considered before, but it makes a lot of sense. He says, quote, I am one of the people who does believe that we ask far too much of the young men in the league. We ask 19 and 20-year-olds to be the faces of multi-billion dollar franchises. We ask 21 and 22-year-olds to perform at the highest levels during the most stressful moments in front of the entire basketball world. And we ask 23 and 24-year-olds to be concerned about hundreds of millions of dollars. When you have all of that external pressure and consideration about what's going on around you, you really don't have much time to think about what's going on within you. Very well put, and I think he's onto something. Because look at it, and this doesn't just apply to the NBA, this applies to all of the major pro sports, or sports in general, these athletes are very, very young. And a lot is thrown at them at very young ages. So Ryan's right. 
You're drafted into the league as an 18, 19 year old kid. You're the NAS reform at a high level. When you're 23, 24, you're eligible for free agency and faced with tens of millions of dollars, and in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars. You have agents, you have all of these opportunities presented to you, everything going on around you. And then you're also going to come to terms with your sexuality and not just come to terms with it privately, but announce it publicly. That's a lot to put on somebody, especially a kid in his late teens, early to mid-20s. So that's something that I had not considered, but I think Ryan is on to it. Um, I don't think that necessarily explains why we have a total dearth about active gay players, because of course the whole league is not comprised of kids in their early 20s. There are people in their late 20s, 30s, etc. You would assume are more, uh, are more established and more ingratiated in the NBA scene, and then they could take the time to maybe think more about what's going on within them. But still, that's, that's something I did not consider. Uh, pro athletes have a lot going on, and then asking them to come to terms with their sexuality and everything that comes along with that, that is a big ask. That is certainly a big ask. So uh, congratulations to Ryan Resch for coming out. Always great to have more visibility. And I believe now he is, uh, since Rick Welts retired, he is the uh, highest ranking out uh, gay person in an NBA front office. So that's Ryan Resch. Colin Martin is coming up on the other side of this brief break. It's a Sports Kiki podcast, episode 123. Thank you, as always, for listening. And welcome back to the show. As I mentioned in the opening, very excited to have Colin Martin with us here today. I've written about him for a few years now, follow each other on Twitter. So always great to, uh, I guess, put a, a name and a voice to the to the name here, a face and a voice to the name, rather. Colin, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Good, Alex. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to, to meet you online again. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you for having me. Absolutely, and appreciate you for uh, coming on. So I want to talk about this survey uh, with Bonus Finder, an LGBT hero of 3,000 sports fans. A lot of interesting results. want to get to that in a little bit. But first, I just want to ask you, as we kind of wrap up Pride Month, you publicly came out four years ago. I'm just wondering, how do you think the landscape today, and male team pro sports in particular, how does it compare to what it was like then when you came out in 2018? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um... There's been a little bit of movement, I think. Um, obviously, uh, with Carl Nassib, that was a, a huge coming out. There's there's been a um, a hockey player um, that's yep. affiliated with an NHL t- team that's come out. Um, several soccer players um, internationally that have come out. Not a ton um, in the domestic uh, level in the in the states, but um, there's been a little bit of movement, but not but not a ton. But it, yeah. if you look back from from when maybe Robbie Rogers came out to when I came out, there wasn't a ton of movement either. So um, I, I think Carl coming out at the NFL level was is, is was huge and, um, and and definitely a big deal and, and, and big progress. But I think in terms of the the amount of of uh, out gay male athletes coming out, it's still I don't think probably where it needs to be compared to maybe the women's game. And, and, and so, Oh yeah. I've always said the women are light years ahead of the men in many categories. This one as well. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is interesting, right? Like you even go back to, as you mentioned, we had that little wave in 13, 14 with Robbie Rogers, Jason Collins, Michael, Sam, then you come out of fears yep. after that all, you know, publicly supported by league teammates, et cetera. 
Carl Nassib, mm-hmm. I mean, the response publicly was outstanding from the NFL and those around him. So it seems as if the names we have, people who though who have come out have had positive stories, but you're right, there hasn't been that domino effect that I think a lot of people thought there would be, which, which is interesting. What do you think that speaks to? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to still the youth sports level for me. Um, I think during that, maybe the past five or six years, I have seen a lot of growth in education in educating coaches in educating um, teams and players on, on maybe language that's not appropriate and just being more aware of your, your settings. And um, I mean, I, I did a, a, a talk last week with um, the, about three to 5,000 kids from um, all over the country at the MLS next uh, level, which is probably the highest level that you can with youth, youth soccer. And um, just talking about my experiences of homophobia in sport and um, how they can be good teammates and allies and, and conversations like that have, weren't happening five or six years ago. So I think, um, and then at the grassroots level, even just the, um, the work that's being done with, with coaches and educators to um, snuff out homophobic language, but also just make sure that the environments uh, right. where, they're, where their athletes are showing up every day are, are places where, where everyone feels welcome. So um, I know that's kind of a, a long-winded answer, but I, I think if we can make everyone feel comfortable where they're showing up to play their sport, um, you'll start to see more gay athletes continue to progress through the ranks. And I think still probably there's just a ton of athletes that are um, just thinking that the sport is not for them. And so that they, they, they don't continue to progress in the sport that they love. Yeah. It's like, it's a language thing. We call it casual homophobia a lot. Right. And, you know, what's interesting with us at Outsports is, you know, we obviously publish a lot of coming out stories from high school, college aged athletes and Mm -hmm. almost all of them. And we've done studies on this, which we'll talk about in a little bit report, you know, a really positive reaction from their teammates, but leading up to them coming out, you know, there's a lot of fear and trepidation because they hear that language. And it's just, you're right. Like it would be a different environment if uh, like Johnny Stanton is a fullbacker, is a fullback for the Cleveland Browns, the NFL. There are a few mm-hmm. others who are really outward, not just, you know, support LGBT, but are really outspoken allies. And, you know, if they're like, if you're a teammate of, let's say, Johnny Stans and you come out, you don't have to guess whether or not he will embrace you. You know where he stands. And I feel like, yeah, it really is about changing the culture in terms of language and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, my, my straight team, teammates that have spoken up in the past and right. um, that have uh, done things like playing for pride and, and speaking out on issues when they haven't been asked to. Um, it's meant the world to me and, and for sure made me feel more comfortable with eventually sharing to the public. Cause, um, I mean, I, th- I think we might touch on it, but, uh, we see fans, um, obviously at games and, um, out in the community, but every, every day I'm with my teammates. And so I really care about our interactions, um, how they treat me, um, and just their opinion, you know? So if my teammates are making me feel included and, and, um, are supportive and allies. And even as long as there's a respect level there too, you know, if I can be myself where I show up to work, that's what really matters. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's important. Have you always felt supported by your teammates since coming out? For the the majority of my teammates, for sure. For sure. I think in each locker room, there's going to be a couple guys where maybe you're, you're questioning and, and whether you've heard overt 
uh, homophobia. And, uh, and it's, it's pretty clear that your teammates not going to be ready to have that conversation or ready to even acknowledge that you are gay. Um, though I think in every locker room, there might, there's going to be a, a handful maybe of guys, but, um, I mean, the majority of the past three clubs I've been on, uh, j- just amazing teammates. And, yeah. and what's been really special about San Diego, um, and, and, in large parts, Minnesota as well, my teammates all knew I was gay for the most part when I, when I signed with the team, or at least if they didn't know right away, it was pretty clear through my social media or just getting to know me. Um, and so from there, they were able to get to know me and, and right. actually ask me questions and, and, and engage with the fact that I'm gay, not just uh, wonder, but, but the, but the issue is that not everyone's afforded um, to be out of the closet from the get go. And, and for me, it's easy. Okay. Showing up as my, as my real self, but what if there's someone that's still kind of questioning themselves and still trying to explore their sexuality and, and, and they're not ready to come out to a teammate and they hear this language, of course, it's going to keep them in the closet. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I also want to talk to, and then I'll get to the survey, um, about what happened with you in September of 2020, where of course an opponent called you a homophobic slur and your team forfeited the match and walked off the field in protest. And I was reading this piece that you did with the San Diego union tribune a couple of weeks ago. And you said that while it was very humbling to see that response, it was also hard and there were a lot of layers to it. I'm just wondering what those layers are. Yeah. Yeah. I think alluded to, to it being kind of a, a living nightmare. Um, yeah. I, um, growing up as a kid, like, especially in high school, when I thought potentially I was going to have to hide this, this, the big fact that I was gay and, and still try to progress in sport. The last thing I wanted was anyone to, to one, know that I was gay, but just have my sexuality impact my ability to play. And in that moment, not only was it impacting me and, and did someone say something to me, but my team was going to be willing to walk off the field in support of me. And, um, completely take away our chances of making the playoffs right after a pan a pandemic stricken season um we, the yeah the opportunity to play more games and then and then they walk off the field so um obviously it was an amazing testament of support for my teammates but uh in the moment i was i was i don't know if embarrassed was the right word mm-hmm. but i was just i was i was shocked and 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 it was extremely hard to be the center of the tension in that moment, even though obviously it wasn't all right. about me, but to have my self impact the game, it was, right. um, it was really hard. Yeah. And that's a remarkable thing, right? That game was the, your, the playoffs were on the line for, for you all, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we went on a run towards the end of the season. We were playing really great. Um, and basically we needed to win and we needed one team to lose to, to be, to be in the playoffs. And we were up three, one at half against our rivals. Um, and we were playing great and, but, uh, it actually, it helped when I found out that the team that we needed to lose won the game. So that actually made me feel a lot better. And what was, so, and what was the conversation reaction like in the locker room after that? Yeah, well, it, it was pretty clear in the moment how our, our coach Landon Donovan felt he, right. um, he actually made it very clear in the moment that he, he felt that the team should walk off the field. Um, he, we had a incident the week before where there was, um, uh, a racist slur at one of our players. Um, and, 
and basically, so we were, we were already building up to this moment where we were set, we were telling our team, if we hear certain language like this, you need to acknowledge it and tell the right people. And then, and then our, our, our team is going to support you. And so it was pretty ridiculous that the following week we had this incident with me. And so, um, I think that's important context because our team was, was very, all very much on the same page. Um, but yeah, Landon wanted to walk off the field and, but he, he said, I'm going to leave it up to you guys. And, um, there was also, they said, okay, if the player wasn't reprimanded by the coach, the referee, or if he didn't admit to himself, we were going to walk off the field. And, um, yeah, so the support, not only of my teammates, but the coach meant a lot in the moment. Um, but I mean, yeah, I guess I can talk, talk about after when we walked off too, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was very interesting, the different layers yeah. to that, because like in the time writing it and covering it, uh, you know, you think, wow, like what an amazing show of support, which it was, but that's interesting that you say that part of you is also uncomfortable with being the center of attention like that, even though your teammates and coach acted, reacted very positively to it and in, in support of, of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in a really tough personal moment, obviously there was a, a beautiful story that came about it. And, um, uh, I don't think there's a, a better paint painted picture of allyship and, and, and straight teammates supporting a gay teammate. There, there really isn't, you couldn't make up a better story or a better idea of what that might look like. Um, so I think eventually I could put aside my, my, um, but, but you, you also have to consider as a player, my season ended too. So I was so, oh, right, right. so sad about that as well, you know? So there were so many layers that I had to to work through. And, and, and to be fair, there was so much media after it as well. I hadn't been able to really diagnose how I felt about the season as well. And then, um, and even uh, um, my contract was up. So was I going to be there the following season? Of course I, I resigned, but there was, there was so much there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, there, there was an amazing, amazing story amongst all this um, the chaos. Yeah. And you're also here to talk about the survey, as I've mentioned, uh, by Bonus Finder and LGBT Hero. They surveyed 3,000 sports fans in the U.S., uh, pretty, so pretty broad sample and some interesting findings. I'm just wondering what specific findings stood out the most to you. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, the Bonus Finder data is extremely interesting. Um, I, I think just the fact that one in five sports fans would rather have right. an athlete keep his sexuality or gender identity yeah. to himself. Um, that one is interesting to me. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to make progress here and we're trying to have everyone in our country feel accepted for who they are. And we're not at the point where we can just say, you know, um, keep that to yourself because there's a lot of work we have to do in society to break down these barriers of, of homophobia and make sport more inclusive. And so I just don't think we're all afforded the privilege yet to say, Hey, you know what, keep your sexuality to yourself. Um, right. And um, in terms of the person, think about how hard it is for, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to you right now as if, as if, <laughs> yeah, as if you don't know, but, but it's liberating coming out. It's liberating. Yes. But once you're in the, when you're in the closet, you're lying and, and, and coming out is a special thing. And um, so it, it, that, that, that data doesn't necessarily surprise me, but uh, it, um, it's interesting to see where fans are at. I, I understand they want uh, athletes to, to prioritize performing on the field and, and, and maybe just um, assimilating to, to what that might look like. But um, I think we have some more work to do until 
until we all just enjoy our, our private lives by, by, by ourselves. Oh, definitely. And I mean, I think it even can impact performance. I mean, did you, do you think that you have played better since coming out? That's a, yeah, that's a great point, Alex. Um, I, uh, while I was in the closet, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety about being potentially outed and, and I, it, it was super stressful navigating the closet and, and having to lie to your loved ones and, and, um, having to be in a locker room of, of, of men and, and, and being asked who you're dating and who you're sleeping with and being able to have to constantly lie and, and also live a certain persona that is just not your reality. Um, so I, I think if anything, it's, it was, it was definitely detrimental to my, my performances on the field and, and where my focus was and my straight teammates, they didn't have to deal with that. Um, right. and, uh, and I was in my first relationship with a guy at age 22, 21. And so I, did, I wasn't afforded to be in relationships in high school and, right. and, uh, and, and maybe make my, my first relational mistakes earlier right. on in life. You know, I was, I was battling all that stuff a lot later than my teammates. So, yeah. And you're weighing a lot of things, a lot of things on your mind. And yes, we do. We do make relationship mistakes a little later in life, I guess, because we get late starts. So that, that's what I tell myself, yeah. at least. And I still screw things up at 29, <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. That's, that's uh, fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm mean, also interested, too. So over half of all respondents, I think it was 54%, said that if a player on their favorite team came out, they think fans would chant abuse towards them. I found that interesting mm. because... yeah. I don't really know like if that's been true in the U S at least. I mean, Carl Nassib, I don't remember any instances of homophobic chants. I mean, have you heard homophobic chants uh, as a no, player? No, definitely yeah. not from home fans either. Um, I know yeah. um, uh, the, uh, the player in um, Australia, um, Joshua Cavallo, right. he, yeah. he dealt with some abuse from the, the away fans um, during a game. But uh, in terms of my own fans, no, no. I've definitely uh, heard fans um, prefer maybe political talk or, or whatever to be, um, it, it, they don't always like that, but that's also interesting. I don't know if the data um, speaks towards that, but, um, but that's a high number. You're right. Um, I, I find that hard to believe because um, I yeah. have no personal personal experiences with, with, with fans that, that, that can speak to that. Um, but obviously away fans, I, I, I could see how that would happen. And, yeah. and, and, and maybe, maybe that data is speaking to uh, maybe a fan of a team worried that someone that was, that came to their arena or came to their stadium right. um, would make that player uncomfortable with, with certain language or, or, or so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it might be a, like assuming the worst in others kind of because it's again, it's not yes. whether they would chant derogatory things. It's whether they think others would chant derogatory things towards a gay player. So that, yeah, that is that's interesting. a good distinction. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Um, and kind of as we go through the rest of the summer and in, in the fall here, like what, what's next for you in terms of any uh, advocacy projects that you're working on or anything that you really kind of want to highlight as we move forward to the rest of 22? Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm, I'm, um, I'm doing playing for pride, which, which is, um, uh, it's through athlete ally and, um, we're raising money for, um, to combat a lot of the, uh, anti LGBTQ legislation that's being 
that's arising across the country, um, in particular in states that really need that support. Um, so we've been raising money for that. Yeah. On my, on my Twitter, I, um, just announced that I'll, I'll give away one of my game worn jerseys for this month for some of the, uh, the recent donators, um, to get us over the edge. Um, but, uh, I am a member of common goal and, um, that's a, an organization that you pledge 1% of your salary towards a, um, a, a cause that you care about. So common goal does, um, advocacy all over the world and at all different levels, depending on what the, the player cares about. And, and my particular um, initiative is play proud. And that's educating thousands of coaches on, um, on sensitivity training and, and, uh, and then also uh, players as well. And so that's going on um, in multiple leagues right now. And um, that's where a lot of my energy is being placed for sure. So awesome. And certainly great causes to get behind, especially in these times, as you mentioned, uh, Colin, this was awesome. A lot of fun. Thanks for stopping by much appreciated. Yeah. Thanks Alex. Um, and yourself and enjoy the rest of pride and, and I'm sure, I'm sure you're enjoying it. All right. So a big thanks go out to Colin Martin for taking the time and coming on the show with me this week. A nice chat. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. And if the audio sounded a little strange, as I mentioned in the opening, I believe uh, we did record it over Zoom. Uh, somehow Collins' volume sounded great. Mine sounded okay. Uh, maybe it's my MacBook Pro. I don't know, but hopefully uh, you enjoyed the conversation nonetheless. And as I say each and every week, if you have any guest ideas, topic ideas, show comments, concerns, the best way to reach me is via Twitter. You can hit up my DMs. At AlexReamer1 is my Twitter name. That again is at AlexReamer1. So long, everybody. Enjoy the sunshine this week, one of the slower weeks of the year, so though our country is going into uh, a very dystopian place, uh, it's like 85 and sunny probably wherever you are, so that's good, right? Uh, Enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you next Saturday.